Polly and fam, and welcome to Talk Your Polly Off, presented by ilovepolly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hey there, Polyam fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off. I'm Monsuda, as you may already know. Today, we do not have Bella because she had to spend some time doing hospital things unexpectedly and has been a bit out of commission. So I'm going to run solo this episode and I hope you don't mind. So here we go. Because a lot of what we do on this show is discuss topics together and bounce things off of each other, that's obviously not going to happen. In order to make sure that we have some discussion today, I decided to turn over to the typo phone, which you can use at 209-536-8976 or 209-536-TYPO. We get a decent number of questions either through voicemail or text message on this line and we don't quite get to a lot of them because we spend a lot of our time in discussion and we don't want to totally inundate you with constant questions from other people because sometimes the conversations need to be have about some of the things that maybe people aren't asking. But for the sake of the show, I'm grabbing questions off of that line and I'll start with a relatively easy one. What's a good activity when you're meeting someone for the first time? I personally would prefer to go with something relatively simple because what you want to do is you want to get to know if you connect in person you want to kind of get to know who they are and what what they like and if you just jump out with hey let's go skydiving they might not like skydiving so already you're kind of missing the mark so a simple activity is maybe meeting up for a lunch or for coffee maybe not like a full-on meal because some people don't generally care to eat in front of others some people don't mind but if you go to somewhere like a coffee shop or if you drink maybe a bar to have a drink these are easy ways to meet up with somebody in a relatively non-committal environment with low pressure So say I'm going to invite someone out to coffee. They may not like coffee. There are probably alternatives. They might find something they like. You get there, you find out that's not something that they like. You can stand there and arrange for something different with a little bit of question and answer, you know? But start out with something relatively simple, low pressure, kind of non-committal because Just like how you're trying to figure out if you are vibing well with this person, they're doing the same thing. They want to know what you're all about and what you like. And maybe when you decide to meet together for coffee or for a drink somewhere, alcoholic or not, during that conversation, you both might find that you like to do something browsing bookstores or going to arcades or taking a walk in the park or something like that, you can agree on and you can go do together. 
One of the other advantages of meeting them in an environment like this is that it's a very public space so that your safety is being considered or their safety is being considered. And it's one of the reasons why it's low pressure is because you're meeting in public and there's not an awkwardness or that uncertainty might be diffused a little bit. So I would say meet them at a place like this and then have the discussions, get to know them, get to know what they're like. And then maybe you two can come up with something else that you might prefer to do and even continue the meetup somewhere else. That was pretty easy. We're going to be good with this. Oh, just kidding. There's actually a few more difficult ones. So the next one that I'm going to ask uh, through the phone is, how do you deal with the feelings of self-doubt and uncertainty? My partner and I are new to Polly. Things have taken off rather quickly for her and not so much for me. It really scares me. This is genuinely a very common thing for when couples have decided that they want to open their relationship up and start dating other people or seeing other people. One of the two generally seems to connect better with people or is more outgoing or has set up their dating profile in a way which they get more attention. Now, on one hand, I could assume a gender based on the text that I read, but I kind of don't want to at this point. At this point, I want to say that when you stated your partner and you were new to Polly, things have taken off rather quickly for her and not so much for you, that perhaps that this is a situation where no matter what your gender identity is, you might be struggling with how to get out there, or maybe you're not as ready to date other people as your partner might be. Or maybe you're just not great at writing your profile, or however it is. You're finding yourself in the spot where your partner's taken off in the dating world and you're not. And at that point, I think that maybe that's where some of the self-doubt and the uncertainty comes from. And from that standpoint, the self-doubt and the uncertainty, if I guess at some point I'm going to have to assume here. So I'm going to assume that the self-doubt and uncertainty is because you don't understand why you are not taking off, I guess, like you have stated that your partner is. This is at a point where you see the success of someone else and you see the lack of success that you're having. And you could be thinking, well, why am I not being so successful? Why is it that I'm not good enough? And what's happening in a lot of this is that you're comparing your own success to your partner's success. And while that's an easy thing to do, it's probably not going to be beneficial to your ability to open up and to accept polyamory into your life or to explore polyamory as a relationship option. You can't be comparing their success to your own success. If you do, though, then try to figure out what it is that you're comparing. Well, why are you getting more dates? You're getting a lot more attention on your dating profile. What is it that your profile is doing or saying that mine is not? Am I opening up enough for people to want to get to know me? 
am I being approachable in the conversations or am I avoiding messages from people that I might not feel comfortable with? Whereas maybe my partner is not avoiding the messages because they're open to the idea that it could just be anything that happens. So in that sense, if you can't avoid comparing, then maybe what you want to do is compare in a way that doesn't point at you being bad at this, but more compare in a way to be able to understand how to learn and grow in order to be able to open up more, figure out what what avenues that you can take in order to meet people or, you know, figure out what your approachability level is. If the uncertainty isn't from this, but your uncertainty and your self-doubt comes from, is my partner going to be so whipped up in this that they're going to leave me behind and I'm going to lose my partner? I mean, this is a stretch because this is not something that you've specifically stated in your question, but it's generally something that people think that's where they also start to get insecure. So I'm bringing it up as a matter of that. This is a point where despite the opening up of the relationship, you want to pay attention to what's going on in your relationship. And this is also a point to where you don't want your negative self-talk to really tear you down because then you're not going to be able to see the positive reasons why your partner loves being with you and why your partner feels comfortable falling for other people or trying to connect with other people. Because if your partner is still with you and still loves you and still cares about you and they're still wanting to see other people, then there's a chance that they just feel comfortable enough in your relationship that they can explore their own desires or needs and they know that you are a person in their life that's always going to matter to them. So if you're coming to this with the self-doubt of not being sure if you're good enough for your partner, find the good reasons why you two exist and why you two cohabitate or commingle. And then also learn to build your self-talk in a way that doesn't degradate you or put you down. See the value in you and see the value in what you offer in your love and your compassion. And then, and then, Obviously, have conversations with your partner. If you're feeling insecure or doubtful about certain things, then check in with your partner. Make some time, have some conversations, express what you're feeling, and ask what they're feeling. Try to figure out if there is a miscommunication or if there is a reason to worry or if it's all being built in your head. Now, to go all the way back to the beginning of this question... I do want to make the assumption of the heterodynamic that was potentially able to be assumed here is that if you, uh, I can't tell by your text, but if you are a man and you are dating a woman and she is doing well, but you are not, understand that there are other obstacles that men are going to have to face and these obstacles valid or not, are there for a reason. And a lot of people struggle to date men because in specifically the non-polyamorous world or more, more precisely the monogamous world, a lot of guys who are looking for hookups, they'll just burn through at, you know, the profiles on dating apps and they'll send 
totally irresponsible messages to women or even send pictures that are very explicit that the woman doesn't ask for. And it's because of the behavioral types of some men who really just don't care about the other people as much as they care about satisfying themselves, that they've done a lot of work to destroy for the ability for the man to be able to try to successfully date. A lot of people have been burnt by shitty men and they don't want to be burnt again and they don't want to take that chance. And that's just something that you're going to have to deal with more and more as you go into polyamory because with pansexuality and all the other ways to get romantically or sexually intimate with somebody, you're not a commodity. <laughs> and and it's tough for a lot of people to figure out, but it's the truth. And so you just got to do your best to be your most genuine, compassionate self and roll with the punches because there's going to be a lot of getting turned down and a lot of not being able to connect before you find somebody. And if you let that internalize as a personalization and or if you become so desperate that you need this, you're going to potentially end up developing into that stereotype that that is giving men a hard time dating. So I don't know how great that came off, but it is a thing and it does happen and it happens for a reason and women want to be protected from it and it's totally valid. All right. So I kind of went off on that one a little bit, maybe. Okay. So I think now we're sitting at a couple of harder questions. Okay. I found this question particularly interesting. Caller says, I hope this is the right question for the show. I just started listening to you because I'm in a bit of a spot. And frankly, I mostly just want to be able to ask my question. So I'm in love with someone and have been for a few years, only it's not reciprocated. The person loves me, but just as a really close friend, not romantically. I've tried to get over them, but just haven't been able to. I'm now with someone else who knows about my feelings for the other person and is okay with that. And I'm finally open to trying to fall in love. But my question is, can you fall in love with someone while being in love with someone else? Caller goes on to state, I mean, there's being in a relationship with more than one person, which is what non-monogamy is about. But what about being in love? And if you've been in love with more than one person at a time, what was the type of love and how is it different in each person? In all fairness, I probably should have waited for Bella on this one because this one I think could have used multiple perspectives. However, I believe that I am qualified to answer this question, so I'm going to. So to bring it all down, question is, can you fall in love with someone while being in love with someone else? And the answer is absolutely yes. Yes, twice. Yes, a thousand times. You can fall in love with, I mean, I fall in love. I do it pretty easy and I don't just fall in romantic love. I fall in love with my friends. I even fall in love with, you know, coworkers I have a great time with. It, it, love is once you get involved in polyamory, once I got involved in polyamory, it was almost like I got the permission 
to express my love. And in that sense, I suddenly, you know, I find myself telling my friends, and I love you. I love you so much. And that doesn't mean that I want to have sex with you and I want you, you know, I want to have your babies. And, you know, it just means that my heart feels for you. And when I think about you, you know, it makes me happy. It releases the dopamine in the brain. And okay, so while that doesn't specifically state about being able to fall in love with your new person while you're still in love with your person that you cannot attain, that's also true. You can absolutely fall in love. And the fact that you're trying to practice this to try to actively do it, I would question where you are with love in the first place. I mean, I'm not saying that you're not in love or that you are incapable. What I'm saying is if you feel like love is a feeling that can only be attached to your, I guess, forever person, then you might want to rethink what love is because that's not what it is. Love is that feeling of sheer joy when you think about a person. You can fall in love with a partner meet a new person, start dating them for a while, and fall in love with that partner also. You could fall in love with 11 partners, and they're all genuine, valid expressions of your heart. I mean, I would practice, if I was to be so bold as to offer this, I would practice falling in love with everybody. I mean, you know, going back to not having to be a romantic or sexual connection. I have friends and I tell them I love them because I do. And some of them, they still get a little weirded out. Like, geez, you know, don't tell me that my partner's over there. Or, you know, I'm not ready to date. And, and that's fine. And I have to tell them I'm not talking about it because I want to date you. I'm telling you because, because I just... I just genuinely feel joy that you're in my life. And I show gratitude that way a lot. I mean, whether I'm telling them, you know, thank you for being in my life. I love that you're in my life. I love spending time with you or straight out, I love you. I'm not expecting anything in return. They could say, fuck you, I hate you. And I'm like, cool, I still love you. And we can just draw the line at that. I have no expectations of reciprocation and my desire to feel that love is my desire to feel a connection with a human being that I just find amazing. So fall in love, fall in love often, stay in love with the person that you can't develop a romantic relationship, express your love to your partner that, that you're with now. You know, be open to loving the next person that comes along and don't stop loving the other two for the new person, right? I have ex-partners that I still love with every ounce of my heart and I'm going to and that's not going to change. I love who they were in my life. I love the time I got with them in my life and I love that I can be friends with them after we break up because we're mature enough to Accept that things just didn't work romantically, but we still love each other and we care about each other. 
All love is, is the joy, it's the compassion, and it's the care. And the more that you can love, the less time you have to worry about what is love. It's okay to get hurt. Oh man, I'm sidetracking. Hold up. <laughs> Sorry, I went on kind of a bit of a... I don't feel like in this world people express love enough. So when I get to talking about it, I can't help it. My apologies. It was quite the tangent. Yes, you can be in a relationship with more than one person and you can love each person you're in a relationship with. Polyamory is literally multiple loves. That's that. Now, there was a second part of your question. If you've been in love with more than one person at a time, what type of in love was different for each person? I mean, I kind of answered that a little bit. Like, I love my wife. She's, you know, pretty much the best friend I've had through the longest amount of my life. We may have had our rough spots, but we're in a spot in our life where we realize that we're going to be together forever, whether we're together or not. We're always going to be in each other's life and we can always turn to each other if we need something. And that's, that's love. Uh, we've, we've come back to the romantic side of our love and that just adds to the friendship love. I love Bella. She's been a fantastic partner for over four years now. When we first started dating, it was flirtatious and it was fun and there was a lot of sexy talk and a lot of chasing each other and we fell for each other hard and we love each other very deeply and very connected. It's different than my love for my wife in that the things that I share with my wife are different than what I share with Bella. I have, like I said, ex-relationships, ex-romantic relationships, which I shared with people. I have a long distance relationship recently that ended. We're still very close friends. I still love her very much and she loves me very much and we can express that openly. We still talk on a daily basis. Other things prevented our relationship from existing in that fashion, but it didn't change how we felt about each other. I had another long distance relationship that had it had a little bit of a rocky breakup, but I absolutely love that woman. And even through the rocky breakup, we worked our things out. We acknowledged that we're great as friends and we have a, a fantastic friendship. We don't talk as much, but when we do, it's like, you know, there hasn't been months between conversations and we pick right up where we left off. I also mentioned love for friends. And you can, you can absolutely love your friends. You can love your best friend. You can love your close friend. You can love a friend you don't get to see that much. It's still love. <laughs> love comes in so many different forms. You talk about love for your kids. You talk about love for your partners. You could talk about love for your parents or your family. or You know, that's all love. It's different, but it's still love. Anyway, I beat that horse. So let's go ahead and move on with the next one. Here's one that may not have quite the positive spin. It bothers me when I visit my partner and there's a bunch of sex stuff lying around from my partner's sex with his nesting partner. I understand that they have a special connection and I'm happy for them. 
but it's distracting. I feel like sloppy seconds to not have a clean space to spend what little time I have with my partner. What words would you suggest I could use when I talk to him? I don't want to sound petty or jealous or accusing. Well, there's a couple of things here. The first is that it's a mess. You know, it could have been put away. And I mean, I walk into a partner's house and they still have stuff laying around from when they got going on. I might be a little concerned about cleanliness or hygiene. I certainly wouldn't want to engage in toy play with somebody where the toy might have someone else's bacteria on it. And whether that person's clean or not, I mean, mixing human bacterias isn't always sanitary. So I think that I first and foremost would have conversations about hygiene and sanitary practices and talking about maybe feeling like when you come over, it feels a little messy and it makes you slightly uncomfortable. You can do this. Uh, you, you're asking the suggestions for how to talk to this partner. Say, look, I, I have hygiene expectations for myself. And when I see this, I don't feel comfortable that these are things that I would want used on me. And I don't feel comfortable engaging in play with these things because I don't know if they're clean or not. And that's not you condemning them of anything. That's you expressing your feelings about what you're seeing and how it relates to you as an individual. And I mean, there's not really an easy way to tell someone to clean up after themselves. It's always going to sound a little commanding. But when you're talking about what your needs are and what you are not allowing, you know, basically your, your boundaries, then you're not, you're not putting judgment or shame on them. You're just explaining your side of the view. So in that sense, I would say that that's probably the, the most straightforward that you can get with this. The other part of this question is the, I feel like sloppy seconds and I mean, that could also be put in with the conversation we just talked about. But I think that they should be two separate conversations because in that, you say you don't want to sound petty or jealous or accusing. And sloppy second certainly does not. But it also brings in some emotional factors that are going to be needed to be talked about separately from basically cleanliness standards because cleanliness standards aren't quite emotional factors in the same sense. So when this, when this comes around using terms like sloppy seconds might not be the easiest way or most comfortable way to have this conversation. So before you get into that conversation, try to figure out what it is in more detailed terms or more specific terms than sloppy seconds that might help you feel comfortable if you express to them that you feel like an afterthought because they didn't clean or because he, he thinks he's going to be able to use these toys on you, then, you know, I mean, that's still sloppy seconds, but you could say it pretty much in that way. I don't feel like it's clean. I don't feel like you took into consideration that we have this time and I'm using a lot of you statements. It's also not the uh, it's also not the most gentle way. 
So I guess if I reverse that, I could say, I'm putting my time aside or I'm devoting specific time to come and spend with you. And, you know, if, if you were coming to my home, I would want to keep clean so that you were aware that I value the time that you're putting in to see me. And I would ask that maybe you would consider the time I'm putting in to see you and maybe prepare a little bit better so that when we do have our time together, it doesn't feel like an afterthought because right now I'm feeling like an afterthought. And if you express what your feelings are about it, again, without being pretty judgmental or projecting something or giving them something to feel like they're being personalized, then that might go a long way. You know, explain how you're feeling and how this made you feel and and how much you don't appreciate it. And, and I think that would probably answer that question. That might help to feed that conversation in a way that you'd like to hear that discussion. Doo -doo 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 -doo. How much time do we got? Okay, I think I can answer one or two more. As long as you guys are still here and listening. All right, Polyam fam, here's another one. My husband and I are dating another couple. We started out as just her the other wife and I, and then expanded with all four openly. I'm ready to explore a deeper connection with her husband, but I get the feeling that she isn't being open and honest on how that makes her feel. She says she's comfortable, but then shows the opposite. I don't want to push it, obviously, and wonder how I can help her feel comfortable and heard so we can work on it together. Any suggestions? Well, I know that you're asking for suggestions on how to get her to feel comfortable about it, but I think that we should also talk about what you're reading from the other wife. And from what I'm understanding here is that you've had conversations with her and she says she's cool with it, but you're getting a vibe that she's not. And oftentimes those vibes can come from body language voice tone, you know, the, the unspoken language that we use, which really accounts for a lot of our communication. Someone might be inclined to tell you something that isn't true because they don't want to be confrontational or maybe they're, maybe she's not ready, but thinks that if she had to deal with it, then she could be ready. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that there's red flags here because I don't think that there are, but there is definitely a reason to pause and to analyze what's going on. And if you're getting these signals that she isn't ready for it, then I would say personally that trying to encourage her to be comfortable with it is really just going to rebuild her uh, apprehension. And it's probably going to have the negative effect of what you want. So I would say that what, what I would want to do is if, like Bella and I started getting involved with another couple, and I'm really digging with the wife, and, you know, the husband is saying, you know, I'm totally cool with it, but he's really given me this feeling that he's not. I don't want to push this guy. I don't want to push this person into 
I mean, what it's going to come up in a lot of people's head is I don't want to push him into letting me fuck his wife, right? And I mean, that's not what it is. You're trying to connect with someone on, a, on an intimate level. But if that person's not ready for it, that's the language they're going to hear in their head more often than not. And so the more you push for it in that scenario, the more they're going to be like, mm, I know what's really going on here and I don't dig it. And then there's going to be some things building up that are going to come to a head and it's going to be explosive. So if I were in that situation, and again, this is probably something that Bella would have been great to be here for as a different view or a different voice. But if I were in that situation and things are going awesome, but then there's that one spot, then I'd want to make sure that we all sit down and have some conversations about, you know, expectations and boundaries and openness and, and letting them know that I'm not here to encroach. I'm not here to get in the way. I'm not here to fuck your wife, right? I'm here because I think you're great people and I love being around you and I love how I feel when we're all connecting and it's amazing. But if there's any sign or any feeling that something's not right, then I want to respect that concern and I totally can put the brakes on because I don't want to jeopardize our friendship for intimacy because really ultimately if you're getting with someone if you're if you're partnering with somebody in my view or in you know my experience is that you're you're partnering with a friendship you're partnering with someone that you love being around and spending time with and the sex is just like the icing on the cake right it's it's not the reason that I'm here. It just happens to be a fun thing that we do when we are together. So you can still have game nights or parties or, you know, bowling league nights, whatever it is that you're going to do and still have a great time. Maybe still engage in a little bit of harmless flirting, but know that until everyone's fully ready, that that's a stop signal. And the more you push to go past that stop signal when it's not going away, the less chance you are going to have at being able to take that relationship further. So what I would actually encourage you to do is recognize the stop signals and focus on the friendships because there's not a full trust there. And when that full trust is built, then I'm sure that that stop signal would go away quite a bit because they'd know that you respect each of them as an individual and you respect each person's relationship and you're not willing to put strain on any of those factors in that equation. So my advice, heed the stop signal and just chill at the friend level for as long as it takes and be cool if it never gets there. But if it if you do that and it does get there, it'll be worth the wait. So I guess that's what I got to say about that. So I'm running long on time. Still got plenty of episode space. So I'm just going to take this one last question because it's kind of a big one. From the typo phone, I get, I met a woman online a few months ago. COVID has made it hard. 
but we discussed risk factors and ended up meeting up for what was her first sexual experience with another woman. It was excellent. Well, good for you. <laughs> She's a natural. Also cool. She's continued to want to see me, and we've had, had a date or hang out every other week or so for the last two months. She recently told me that she shut down her tender because between me and her boyfriend, she's found her people, in quotes, her people. Now, we've never had any kind of relationship talk, and I'm just not feeling emotionally for her, and I don't see that changing. I don't fit into her social scene, as evidenced by the fact that she doesn't want to connect on social media, and our worlds are very different. I've been avoiding her messages because I feel guilty about how differently we feel. Should I just grow up and end things directly with her and tell her I'm not really feeling it? I know I'm not doing any of us any favors by dragging things out. What is your best gentle breakup advice? Well, I actually have a few things to say about this. Yeah, avoiding her is bad. I mean, you know it's bad because you said it's bad right there, essentially. And you know that you wouldn't want to be avoided if you were feeling something for someone and you thought that there was something there and then suddenly you're getting ghosted, right? So you're kind of ghosting her and that's not really cool. So on one hand, yes, you should just grow up by responding to her. And I would go one step further and say that just ending things directly probably isn't a grown-up thing to do. What you're doing is avoiding that emotional attachment and avoiding any connection sort of thing without trying to explore what the options are. If you like hooking up with this person and they obviously like hooking up with you, could you have the conversation with this person that you're down for a friends with benefits situation, you're down for a casual hookup situation, but you're not down for emotional commitment. I think that would be a very feasible thing to talk about. If they're not ready for that, then yes, that's actually the easier way of doing the gentle breakup, saying, look, this is what I got into it for, and this is what I'm looking for. If you're willing to do this, let's do this. But if you're not, I cannot give you what you need. But that's more gentle of a breakup in my eyes than just messaging her and saying, I'm not feeling it, piss off, right? Even if you tried to break that up nicely, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I think we're going to have to end it. They're going to have a lot of unfinished questions. They're going to be like, well, why do we have to end it? Like, what if, what if I'm okay with just meeting casually, you know, that's an option. And it also, even if you don't want to continue, you can say, look, I don't want the emotional connection. And I'm concerned that if we continue to meet casually, that need for the emotional connection is going to overwhelm me. And if you can't do that, then I need to go my own way. That's at least explaining to them why someone that they thought was really into them is suddenly not. You know, that's the easy breakup advice I would give. I would also say that at some point you mentioned 
you don't fit into her social scene because she doesn't want to connect on social media. That might suggest to me that this person is new to polyamorous dating and is trying to hide things because she's not ready to have those conversations with the people in her life. Or in this scenario, maybe she hasn't come out as gay and she's afraid that if she does, then she's going to have to deal with backlash. I mean, a lot of people don't come out because they're afraid of what their family or their peers are going to think. They're, they're afraid that they're going to get fired. And a lot of this is rightfully so. So there could be plenty of reasons why she is not wanting to connect on Facebook. It's not necessarily a reflection of you as an individual. I mean, you did mention that you have two different lifestyles. And I mean, that's okay. You know, I've dated people that have, and like Bella has a far different kind of lifestyle than I do. At least she did before we started, you know, cohabitating. Sometimes things take adjustment. I mean, a lot of people don't experience certain things. And when a new partner comes into their life, that new partner is showing them parts of a world that they didn't even explore, didn't know anything about. I know that, you know, I, I used to, well, I mean, like I lived in Wyoming, so, you know, understand that part, but I used to date girls who were kind of country girls and I'm not, I'm a metalhead. I'm a nerd. Like I'm not country at all. The only people in the Portland area think that I'm country because I still sometimes, I don't know, speak with my Wyoming speak, or I have certain thought processes that are a bit redneck, but when I go back to Wyoming, which I try to avoid doing at all costs, I would be seen as a progressive or a liberal or, you know, however you want to look at it, because my lifestyle is far different than what they're used to. Now, I date country girls and our lifestyles were incredibly different, but the connection we had transcended the lifestyle choices to some degree and allowed for a relationship to happen, even if it was a short-term thing. And that could be something that you and this person, if the relationship was going to a relation, a romantic relationship level, that's something that could be worked out. But maybe, you know, I don't know what lifestyles you're talking about. You know, let's just say that you're the metalhead and she's a country girl. And maybe she's afraid of getting teased or, or, trashed on by her peers, her friends, and those people are supremely important to her. She doesn't realize that the judgmentalness is what prevents her from being able to experience her true full life. And maybe you coming along and breaking those constructs or those perceptions would be a way for her to realize that some of her peers might not be the greatest people in her life. I mean, but that's irrelevant because you just said that you don't want an emotional relationship. So I guess that would be for advice for someone else who might be listening that, that could use that advice. <laughs> I guess just to go back to this is that, yes, you should grow up and you should have a conversation with this person because just like I'm sure that you would feel like you deserve to know what's happening when someone leaves your life, 
This person deserves to know what's happening when you want to leave their life. And some people just want a chance to try things differently. And you might find that you can have a casual hookup relationship with this person and they're comfortable with that once they understand the boundaries and once they understand the levels of expectations. Maybe not. And that's when you say, I can't do it this way and I'm sorry. But talk to them. Man, it's just, it's just the right thing to do, you know? At any rate, I think that, uh, I think that's all the questions that I'm going to ask. I'm actually running this episode pretty late and I, I've fallen a bit behind because I've been spending a lot of time focusing on some schoolwork and I couldn't fit this in taking care of Bella and all this other stuff. So running late, getting a little tired. You might've told that by my voice. So I'm just going to end this now so I can take my last test in school tonight and then probably get some Z's, probably too much information. This is what happens when I'm unsupervised. All right, PolyM fam, thanks for tuning in to Talk Your Poly Off. I hope that you enjoyed my solo episode. And, you know, if you did, find us on social media and shout out what you thought. And if you didn't, do the same thing. So I can't wait to hear from you. And, you know, if you want to use that typo phone, it's 209-536-8976 or 209-536-TYPO. We will talk to you next week. Bye now. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And, and love, love without, without limits. limits.